20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all talk Green Bay Packers. My name is Mike Wendland. Joining me from a moving vehicle is Tyler Grezegorek. He's out on vacation for the next couple of days, traveling through the mountains, Gandalf, as he enjoys some downtime from a very busy week. So, Tyler, how's everything going? Uh, it's going great, Mike. Yeah, I'm just kind of trying to get away before um, spring training baseball starts. If you know anything about me, you know that's where I work uh, right now. So, you know, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it with a little, uh, I guess, a little hesitation. But I do work for the Cubs for spring training, so I'll be out there, and spring training starts in a couple weeks. So, you know, that's going to be madness when that starts. So I'm just trying to get away for a little bit. Uh, they actually play the Brewers to open up their spring training season, so that'll be a lot of fun. Plus, you missed the Wisconsin snow that we've gotten the past couple of days. You're heading to the mountains to see some more, I guess. Yeah, I just can't get, you know, I miss it. I haven't seen it in a while, and I miss it. So I just need to get a couple of days fill of it, and then I'll go back to my 70-degree days back in Phoenix. Well, gladly trade you. We've got, I've got about five inches just yesterday alone, so. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. I'm nonstop right now. And I'm glad you guys are on the polar vortex or whatever that was called, but. Yeah, that's been kind of crazy. But either way. The football season officially over, obviously, with the Super Bowl last week. Uh, very underwhelming, but that means we turn our attention toward the offseason, free agency, uh, franchise tags, and, of course, the NFL draft, which is a little bit of a specialty for both Tyler and myself. Uh, we're both working on our own big boards and, and spreadsheets and get everything going like that. But, Tyler, you've really turned the focus on edge rusher because, obviously, that's a massive need for the Packers. They really need to try and find... Mm-hmm that next pass rusher or two to to move on from Clay Matthews and Nick Perry and to not put too much pressure on someone like Kyler Facker who broke out last year. Yeah, so about Kyler Facker real quick. Like, we need to talk about how he's not the future of the edge position there. He had a great year. I'll give him that. You know, good job. He got 10 sacks, 10 and a half, I think, actually. But he is not the future of the Packers' edge position, and we should not be treating it as such. No, I agree. He's best as a number three guy, and yes, it was great too that he had the big year that he did. Uh, only the 12th player to get double-digit sacks for the Packers, but you're right. He is not the long-term answer. He is he is a, a good rotation guy, a good piece to have, but they should not be building the position around him, which leads us to the draft class of edge rushers. This is a very good class on the edge. Which is we I heard we heard that all last year is that 2019 is going to be the year to draft a pass rusher. There's a lot of good ones, and with pick 12, there's a good chance that four or five of the best ones could be gone. And it's funny because they were talking about this, I believe, on the podcast within the last couple of days. I can't remember exactly who it was that was touching on this, but it's really funny when you look at this edge class because yes, it's deep. However, it's very deep at the top of it, and then the middle of it is just very bleh, you know. So. I'm looking at this edge class, and I almost believe that the Packers have to walk away from 12 with one. Otherwise, they're going to be kind of stuck with what's left. No, I agree. And I know guys like Aaron Nagel say, don't reach for need, but I think with the big need that is 12, there should be someone there you can get. Even if you were to trade down to like 13 with Miami, who looking for a quarterback, you can still find one there. But you do need to get a high pick on an edge early on. I think that is the biggest thing to get in. Uh, I'm here talking with Jacob a couple weeks ago that a good pass rush makes your whole team better. And I think that's going to start with getting that, that good edge out there. So that being said, I might as well just dive into what you have is your top 10 edges. Uh, you're, you're the, you're the guru here between the two of us <laughs> as far as this position. I'm trying to be more well-rounded. 
But who who's your number one edge in the 2019 draft, and do you think the Packers have any sort of chance at this guy? Well, surprise, surprise, it's Nick Bosa. You know, I I don't know if there's a better better player in the class in general, and he might be the best the best player I've actually extensively watched in the last few years. Uh, there's talk that he's better than Joey Bosa, and I think that that could be true. He, I, you know, there's obviously some technical de- uh, deficiencies because he's coming out of college. Every young player is going to have things that they can work on, but he is the most well-rounded and NFL-ready player in this draft. And Nick Bosa could play standing up. He could play. He didn't play standing up uh, at Ohio State, but I believe he could. He has the skill set to do so. But he may be better suited to be a 4-3 defensive end, but he's so talented that he could honestly play in the 3-4 system as well. But the thing about the Packers and Mike Patton is they're looking for players who can fit multiple schemes and play in a multiple front, similar to what the Patriots do. And I think that Nick Bosa, if somehow he ever falls to 12, uh, he would be a perfect fit in Green Bay. I think he's a guy they need to trade up for. Uh, yeah. 6'3", 270, he's listed as coming out a, a true junior. And I do, I think he's the best player in this class, with the exception of maybe Quinton Williams on the D-line. But when you look at Bosa, the big concern is injury. He missed most of last season with a core injury. And he even when he was recovering, he, he left Ohio State to uh, work for the draft. Uh, I don't think that's a knock on him for as far as wanting to play football. I think that's just a personal choice that he made to try and get ready for this. But that injury, and core injuries are things that are really hard to recover from. So that's the biggest question. But I truly, I don't see any way he gets by Arizona. I think he's almost set to be the number for a number one pick, much like Jadavian Clowney was five years ago in Houston. Yeah, so, I'm, I mean, Nick Bosa, it, here's the funny thing about him. I, I honestly don't think he's a fit in Arizona because they're going to be switching to a 3-4. And, I you know, I mentioned that he could play in a 3-4, but... I just, you know, in my gut, I just don't see him being a good fit with what they're trying to do there. And I think that they might go some, they might do something completely different than what we're expecting right now. And I, I also think that the Cardinals are a good candidate to trade out of that first spot. I think Nick Bosa is more likely to go to number two to the 49ers. I feel like that's a match made in heaven. Yeah, very well it could be. So we'll see. And if the Packers were to want to get Bosa, they would have to sell a very, exactly. very large amount, starting with a blue chip player that they have in the roster which they need more of to begin with mm-hmm. so i think bosa's a, a pretty much a long shot but he is the top edge in this class so that's why we're talking about him tyler who's your number two yeah so it's really funny because number two through four on my board they're actually pretty closely ranked uh, as far as how i graded them out mere mere points that separate them and number two on my board is josh allen out of kentucky and Josh Allen, he, we talked about Nick Bosa being a perfect fit. Josh Allen somehow is even an even better fit for what Patton would want to do. Josh Allen has experience standing up, putting his hand in the dirt, backing up into coverage. He's got experience doing it all at the college level. There's concerns about his flexibility when he's trying to corner the edge. However, I didn't really see it on tape, and I am fully willing to put my chips in on a guy like Josh Allen who can literally be a difference maker and a guy that you make your game plan around from week to week and a guy that the offense has to make their game plan around from week to week. Oh yeah, Josh Allen, he's a guy, he got better and better his entire career in the SEC mm-hmm. with Kentucky. Uh, one of the few seniors out there 
Only thing that concerns me a little bit is his, his frame. He's 6'5", 230 listed according to the sheet we have. So he might need to bulk up a, a bit to hold up in the NFL. But I do think you're right. With his just natural ability as a pass rusher, he could be good. I'm not saying he's going to be Khalil Mack, but he could be a very good player. Well, he's just so versatile. And I think he's the most versatile front seven defender in this class. And I think that's saying a lot considering some of the linebackers in this group uh, this year. However, Josh Allen, you know, you mentioned his frame. I think he plays bigger than that, and I think that's okay. I can't remember who said it. I saw it on Twitter the other day. You know, some people want to talk about a player's weight. Well, some players play bigger than their weight, and that's really what matters, and I think Josh Allen does that. Fair enough, and he's another guy, though. I think he's a guy who who's going to go fairly high. I can see a team like Oakland really liking him or San Francisco. So uh, I think he's another guy where you'd have to probably make a move up to try and get him, and that's a big-time risk for the Packers, and you better make sure you get your guy if you're going to make that move. Definitely. So that being said, Tyler, who's your who's next up? So this is a guy, if you follow a lot of Packers riders, <laughs> he's become quite the cult uh, the cult topic, I guess you'd call it. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida. If we remember Harold Landry from last year, he's a better version of that. So Harold Landry, in my opinion, was the number one edge defender last year. Uh, and, you know, I, let him, I know a lot of Packers fans were clamoring for him, and he ended up going to the Titans, I think, at like 45 or something. And Ja'Kai Polite, he's, he's not necessarily raw, but he definitely has some development that he needs to undergo to become an NFL edge player. However, he could immediately step in and be a contributor in passing downs. And he's not, he's a better run defender than another guy we're going to talk about later, which is why I have him at number three. However, I, I am very excited to see what Ja'Kai Polite can do, but I definitely do have concerns uh, just in basically in his, what I call, you know, anchoring up against run defense. He does have that ability to shoot gaps, but as far as anchoring, he's sometimes not willing, and that could be a problem at the NFL level. Yeah, Polite's an interesting guy. I've seen him ranked anywhere from top five to top of the second round because, you, like you said, he has some problems with uh, holding up in the run. He's 6'2", 240, and he, is, he gets upfield fast. Mm-hmm. He's got a great first step. He can really turn the corner, and he's gotten a lot better with his hand usage, and the one thing I like the most about Polite is he's his motor is and uh, never ending. Mm. Once he's in a play, there there's plenty of videos of him chasing down a screen pass 50 yards down the field and making a play. I think my favorite thing about Polite too is that he's a ball hog. He always knows where the ball is and he's always looking to make a play on the ball. So you mentioned him pursuing from behind. He's always looking to punch it out or at least get a hand on the ball and make the run the ball carrier nervous. No, I agree, and that's why one of my favorite things was I wrote on my personal uh, website about a week ago. I did my own version of a mock draft through Fanspeak, and I, I got him a Polite at 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the rusher got a 12, or we'll talk about it in a little bit, uh, a guy who won a couple national titles the past few years. But Polite, as a guy, he is now a favorite of Packers draft Twitter right now. He is he, he does flash a lot on tape, but you're right, there's a lot of work to be done, but I do think he could step in as a pass rusher. And it'd be interesting to see, if they were to pick him, would that signal maybe they keep for one more year Nick Perry to hold up the edge on the run? Will Polite would be more of the pure pass rusher? and will, Or will they bring in another just a pure run-stopping edge? to let Polite focus his rookie year just on pass rushing. I think that creates an interesting question. Yeah, it really does. And i that's my one concern with Polite is that the Packers need somebody who can kind of step in 
right now and do everything that they need out of an edge position right now. And I wouldn't be upset if they landed polite, but I think that Packers fans would need to understand that it's not going to be a success story right away. There's going to there's gonna be some growing pains, and that's okay. But, um, you know, that's up to Gutekunst to figure out and kind of mitigate. So uh, I don't expect the Packers to do anything with their current edge group until after the draft, until they have a better idea of who they can get in free agency, who they get in free agency, and what they're able to do in the draft. Very well. And so... Those are our top three. Who's next for our edge, our edge list? Yeah, so Cleland Farrell out of Clemson. He's an interesting guy because I think he can play the edge position, but a lot of uh, draft Knicks think that he is stuck and destined to be a 4-3 defensive end. You know, I, I think in today's NFL, these guys can play multiple positions. Maybe it's not particularly his best position. I, I really like Cleland Farrell as far as I think he's a very well-rounded prospect right now, and I think he's maybe not... Maybe not safe is the right word, but I think he is safer than some of these other guys at the moment as far as where he is in his development and what he offers uh, physique-wise, trait-wise to an NFL team. No, I agree, and that's why when I did that mock on my own site, I have Pharrell at tw- I took him at 12. Uh, Cleland Farrell, I was stumping for him last year if he would have come out as a third-year sophomore. He, I, I thought he was the best defender on that Clemson team last year. I thought he was the best defender on that Clemson team this year. Uh, he was a team captain. He's got the length he's got his he's his hands incredibly well he is a guy where like you said he's he's safe he's not gonna be the the big flashy huge 18 sack guy but he's gonna come in he's gonna solidify that spot he's gonna solidify that position room and i think he's a guy where he reminds me a lot of uh, of like a little bit better version of brian iraq yeah where he, he's bigger 6'4 260 he's gonna hold up well on the, on the edge on the run he can get after the passer he won't put up the massive numbers, but he's going to be a guy who you, you don't have to worry about for 10 years. No, and I completely agree. I, you know, if I'm looking at Cullen Farrell right now, my biggest concern with him is in short area situations. You know, they, you hear these guys talk about can they, you know, in a, in a phone booth, how are they going to win that battle? And sometimes you'll see Cullen Farrell get run around by defenders, or not defenders, excuse me, by running backs and by just the quarterbacks. Like, in general, like he's just a little bit slow laterally, and you know, that's okay. That's I think that's why he's being projected as a 4-3 defensive end kind of guy. But I also think that with a couple years of NFL conditioning, he could become a little bit better in that department and therefore serviceable on the edge as far as not allowing guys to kind of just scoot around him. No, I agree. And, and, and to really see him, same with Josh Allen. Watch Josh Allen against Penn State in the bowl game this last year. Watch Pharrell against Alabama. He was incredible in both title games against Alabama that they won. He was a great, great player for them. So we have Bosa, Allen, Polite, Farrell, who's five on our edge list? So this is another Twitter fandom guy, and that's Brian Burns out of Florida State. I'm not particularly the biggest fan of Brian Burns. However, I do see the potential. I think that he's a lesser version of Ja'Kai Polite, and that's not really meant as an insult. I just think that, you know, when you talk about developing a guy and what they're going to offer year one, he's behind Polite in that manner. Although the upside is incredible. And when I was watching his, his tape recently, I I just couldn't help but feel like his stances were awkward. Like, he's really long. He's got good length. And he's quick off the edge. He's got a great first step. But, like, he's, like, when he when he gets into his three-point stance, he's just so awkward and curled up. Like, and it doesn't really work for him. Um, and, and he struggles to he struggles to get to the point of attack quickly with offensive linemen and initiate that contact and set the edge. And 
the biggest concern with him is going to be his weight. So that's one thing I'm going to keep an eye on when we get to the combine. And if, if he can't play with proper pad level and leverage and hand placement with a low weight, he's going to struggle in the run game mightily. Like, not enough where he can even he won't even be able to be considered to be out on the field during those downs. And that's my biggest concern with Brian Burns is he's got a little bit more I think work to be had done for him than Ja'Kai Polite does, but the tools there, the tools are there to be an incredible pass rusher in this league. That's the thing, yeah, that's the thing. Burns is a little longer at 6'4", but he's also a little lighter than Polite by about 10 pounds, so the frame is, is an issue. And he's another guy where also is one year of tape enough, because he, he, he was kind of so-so this first couple of years, but he really came on the scene in 2018. Yes. And he and his hand placement got a lot better. He had a lot of great counters in the pass rush over the past year. So is he going to have that trajectory? Is it going to take him a couple extra years compared to the other prospects or not? But I think, and I'd be a little nervous at 12, depending on what his combine testing is, obviously, and his pro day testing. But if he, but at 30, I think it'd be a great move. Exactly. And I know that um, Packer, I guess you could say, one of the Packer favorite writers, Packers fans favorite writers, Peter Bukowski, uh, you know, just locked on Packers. I know he feels the same way. Uh, and I had a brief conversation on Twitter about that. But if he's at 12, I'm a little nervous. But 30, I'm locking it in. And I'm running up to the podium. No, I agree. And so those are our top five. And those are pretty much the consensus top five as far as the edge goes. And those guys are bona fide first-round prospects. The guys, you're probably going to see names called on Thursday night unless you do have a Harold Landry-type fall. So then we get to that that's this next year, which are guys who are still good players. Don't get us wrong. They're very good players but they're not quite that blue chip type guy. So who's who's uh, number six for you, Tyler? So this guy is one of my favorite values in the entire draft. You know, I think if the Packers walk away with one of the top five guys that we just talked about. They're going to be fantastic. Um, but I understand that there's other positions that they're going to be looking to take at 12 as well, or even trading down and, you know, doing whatever they're going to do with their picks at that point. But Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State, he had a quite a showing at the Senior Bowl. There's some legitimate concerns about his flexibility. He's rather stiff at times, but he also is able to bend around the corner pretty well. He's very strong on the edge. He's, I would say, behind Clellan Farrell, the second most – well, actually, I'm not even including Nick Bosa in these conversations, by the way, because he's just so far above and beyond better than everybody else. But Montez Sweat, I would say, is the second best – well-rounded um, edge NFL prospect. Uh, Josh Allen, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He could he could play outside linebacker, and he might not be a straight-up edge player. Montez Sweat is an edge player. There's concerns about him fitting into a 3-4. I don't see them. I think he's an outside linebacker in a 3-4. Uh, you know, you're going to see that because of what I was talking about earlier, the stiffness and the ability to what draft people want to call bending the edge and the flexibility in the hips and the ankles. I don't see it as much with Montez Sweat. I see, I see it there, but I don't really see it to the point where it's going to hinder him. Um, I, he's one of my favorite values because I think you could get him at the end of the first round or early second round. And I think he would be a fine addition to the Packers edge. No, I agree. Sweat, a huge senior bowl, like you said. Uh, showed up, had bulked up. He has long arms, almost 36 inches, so he's got three-foot-long arms, almost 10-inch hands, which which are great for a, a pass rusher to be able to engage and get some moves in. Six-foot-six as well, so he's got the size you want. Uh, there are some character things with him, but it sounds like he's been a pretty good uh, guy at Mississippi State during his time there. 
and he was he was productive. Another guy who's really productive in the SEC. He's been a guy who the Bulldogs could trust in Mississippi State for the past two years. He's been a good player, and if he continues to shoot up at the combine like he did during the Senior Bowl and shoot up boards. I wonder if he'll climb into the early 20s, even in the late teens, if we get a run on edge, or if he's a guy who, like you said, was still going to be there at 30 or early second round, because he's a guy whose stock is starting to skyrocket. Well, here's the thing about this this year's edge group. It's going to be so interesting to watch when the draft arrives, because I feel like teams are going to be like, outside of like Nick Bosa, who is the obvious you know, best player in this class, outside of Nick Bosa... The, just the, that group of five or six guys ranging from Josh Allen and to Montez Sweat, the guys we just talked about, there's, it's, it's such a good group of guys that teams might be like, okay, I can wait, I'll trade back up later, I'll come back up later, and eventually these guys are going to go, and there's going to be a huge run of edges. And I honestly feel like we're going to see this in the middle of the round. It's going to be middle of the first, like, early 20s mid 20s so like that i would say 10 to 25 range is where we're going to see all a lot of these guys go maybe josh allen sneaks up into the top 10 uh but i think the rest of these guys those four so polite Farrell, burns and sweat uh if sweat keeps rising up boards we could see him in the top 25 it, it's obviously ambitious but you know we're trying to project two and a half months out still so it, there's a lot to happen, but the, this edge class is going to be so much fun to watch come April. Yeah, and we're also trying to figure out when quarterbacks go as well, so that changes edge the edge moves as well. Okay, so we have Sweat, another potential first-round guy. Who do we have talking about next? So the next guy on my list is a guy that you'll see talked about a little bit. Um, he doesn't really fit for the Packers, if we're being honest, but he's on this list. Uh, his name's Anthony Nelson out of Iowa. So he, if you watched any of Ohio State last year, and you saw Sam Hubbard. Uh, he played for the Bengals this past season in the NFL. I equate Anthony Nelson to this year's Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard was not exactly the most athletic guy off the edge, but he was such a technician that it didn't really matter. Uh, he has an average first step, but he's able to win a lot of battles with his hands and with good pass rush moves and good leverage. And that goes a long way in today's NFL, and that's why I have him so high on my list. I also see a little bit of like that Nick Perry type in him, too, because he is very stout. And you said he might not fit the Packers, but when you said Iowa, that means he does fit the Packers because they have a propensity for drafting Iowa guys. Yes. Which we may see a certain tight end from Iowa go to Green Bay as well later on. But I agree. I've always been pretty high on Nelson. He was, at times, a man among boys in the Big Ten last year. Mm -hmm. He was extremely good against Wisconsin. I remember watching that, and that really got on my nerves a little bit, but... Almost six foot seven, two seventy. Again, big hands, long arms. He and he knows how to use his length and leverage. He's. I'm not going to say he's a taller version of Mike Daniels because he's not quite that stout with his leverage and his strength. But he's a guy who he can set the edge. He can hold his own, and he's a guy, a day two guy. I think a lot of people. He can't. He when he left early. A lot of people were down early on him, saying he was a day three guy. But I think he's a, without a doubt a day two prospect. I think he's going to test. I think he's going to test really well as far as when it comes to a lot of the strength drills at the Combine, as well as a lot of the actual position-centric drills. He's going to test very well with those, especially when it comes to like the actual pass rush stuff. So I think he's going to be a guy who's going to slowly climb his way up. But you're right, though. He may be a 4-3 guy, but I think for a guy with him, he, he he's a football player. He's a very good football player. I think you can always, without wanting to use a Mike McCarthyism, I think he's a guy you can you can find a spot for him. You can, you can coach a spot for him and and you he's a guy who you would love to add your team he's also a high motor high character guy yeah no i completely agree i just i i struggle seeing him 
fit into what the Packers are trying to do. You know, a guy like Nick Bosa, he's talented enough where he could stand up consistently and play in a 3-4. So is Cullen Farrell, and he's got enough uh, ability as well to do so. I I do feel like Anthony Nelson is restricted to being a 4-3 defensive end just because he can't play inside, and I don't think he's quick enough to play uh, in a stand-up position in a 3-4. Fair enough. Who do we have next on our list of edges? So it's really funny because on my list here, I actually partnered up with Ross Uglum initially, and we posted a poll to Twitter to find out what Packers fandom considered this guy. And that's Rayshon Gary. And we were trying to figure out if he was a defensive lineman or an edge to the fans. Um, You know, so I have him in my edge rankings. However, I've since moved him to my defensive line. And I can't really find a home for him, and I think that speaks perfectly to his evaluation. He's just a, he's such he's so frustrating as a player in general because you see the talent, but there's just like so many lapses of effort, lapses of technique. It's just really frustrating, and I don't want to touch on it too much more because I do think he's a defensive lineman, and I don't think he's going to play edge at all in the NFL. He's going to play interior defensive line, probably in a four three because I think he could play some defensive end. But I just don't see him as a 3-4 edge guy. No, the only thing I'll say about Gary is the tape doesn't match the talent, but this guy's an athletic freak. At two it's true, he, and he I is. think that's why it's so frustrating. <laughs> no, I agree. I think he could he could be an Aaron Donaldson player, or he could end up being a, just a sub-package guy. So it'll be interesting to see. He'll probably be a top-five pick even as well, because his talent is that top flight. So moving back to the edge, uh, we just have a couple more guys left. Who do you got? Yeah, so the next guy the next guy on my list is a guy I think I'm a little bit higher on than most people, and that's DeAndre Walker out of Georgia. So I'm gonna I'm going to equate DeAndre Walker as to as the guy that you would turn to if you missed out on everybody else and you're like, Man, I just need somebody to put there and not mess up, and that's DeAndre Walker. I think he could come in and I think he could do everything well. Uh, in my eval I wrote, does everything well, does nothing great, and is not terribly bad at anything. If that makes any sense. So he basically is just a guy that you can rely on to do things, but he's not going to make the spectacular plays. Yeah, fair enough. And I don't have a, I don't know a ton about Walker yet. I'm still working on it. Uh, he, 6'2", There's not a ton of, on him, but he was a pretty long time starter at Georgia. So I think it's another guy. I think, I think you're right. A safe guy, a day two guy, round two, round three type prospect. A guy who you can plug in there and you know he's not going to cost you a game, but he's probably still probably not going to win you a game. Exactly. And you know what? I think he would be a perfect candidate to be a second edge selection by the Packers, maybe in round three or early or late round two, if they go out and get one of these top five or six guys, and then they're like, we still want to add a guy, add DeAndre Walker. I think that would be a fine addition in that case. I don't, I wouldn't be a big fan of the fact of Walker being the number one edge guy they selected in the draft, but if he becomes a number two selection, I'd be ecstatic. All right, so we have, I think, two guys left to talk about, uh, one from the Big Ten, one from the ACC. So, Tyler, who do you got next? Next is Chase Winovich. And so, (laughs) for another analogy, for purposes of describing how I feel about Chase Winovich, I imagine myself window shopping. And I'm going, and I'm looking in the window, and I see Chase Winovich, and I'm like, oh, wow, like, that looks really nice. Like, I wonder what that's all about. And then you jump into the film, or you're, like, trying to figure out what it's all about, and you just can't figure it out. You're like, you're not sure if you want to buy it or not. And Chase Winovich, I... I talked about being frustrated with Rayshon Gary. I was rather frustrated with Chase Winovich. You know, people talked about this high motor kind of guy. I I didn't see that. I think Ja'Kai Polite has a much higher motor. I say, I'm not saying that Chase Winovich has no motor because he definitely does. And he's going to chase down plays. I think maybe it's his speed 
or, or something. He's not. I don't believe he's going to test well in the agility drills or the top speed drills at the combine, and I think it's going to drop his stock a little bit. You know, I originally went into this process thinking I was going to like Chase Winovich a lot more than I did, and I just kind of came out disappointed. So, other than the fact that he's got flowing blonde locks, I am very, very lukewarm on Chase Winovich. Yeah, he could be one of two Big Ten guys drafted who you could put a 52 on him, and you would think it was Clay Matthews. The other being obviously Andrew Van Ginkle from Wisconsin, would be like who'd be a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, Winovich is very iffy because. He had some games where he had some really big flashy moves, but then there's games where he got banged up or he disappeared or he just was kind of there. And it's, it seemed like kind of the, the the definition of Michigan as a team at times this year where they would really get up for some of these games, but then they'd other games they would really, really struggle. Obviously, you saw it with Ohio State. But I think Winovich and Gary Poole are kind of both in that mold. And Winovich, as a fifth-year senior, already kind of an older prospect. 24 years old. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't help. No. And, well, here's the thing about Winovich. I, I honestly believe he could step in and be an immediate contributor on early downs. But I, he, he had some success rushing the passer in college, but I just don't see that success translating to the NFL until he gets quicker, um, stronger at the point of attack, and just in general develops more as a pass rusher, develops his pass rush arsenal. I, but I do believe he could come in and be an early, a, a strong contributor on early downs. No, I agree. I think he's 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 neither guy, another guy, kind of like that Sam Hubbard type role, where he's gonna win a lot on effort and a lot and a lot on those early downs, but not the, probably not the guy you want as your top guy on third down. No. So that leaves one more pass rusher, and this time we're going down to Florida. In this time, actually Miami. So we had Florida and Polite, Florida State and Burns. Now we go to Miami. Who do you got? Yeah, so another guy that I'm not sure is going to exactly fit the Packers system, but a guy that I think I'm higher on than a lot of other people are. And we could talk about my number 11 um, behind him, uh, a guy that you mentioned pre, uh, pre-recording, pre and we could talk about him a little bit. But the guy that we're talking about right now, uh, I think out my top 10 for edges, is Joe Jackson. He's another guy that is being projected like 4-3 defensive end in the NFL, but he has that motor, he has that will, he has the speed. Like, if you watch... If you watch him, you would think that he is a top athlete in this class. The way that he gets off the ball is, at times, outstanding. He's just not very consistent. I think that's why he's not being talked about a lot as a top talent in this class. I think he's going to test really well. I think he's going to test very well at the Combine. Uh, People are going to jump to his film and see the motor that we thought we would see with Chase Winovich, and it just wasn't there. But... He, he just needs to get more consistent, not only in technique, but just in general run defense, in general in performance. Like he'll, He doesn't take snaps off, but he'll disappear for lar- large bouts of time. And, and then all of a sudden, he'll make a couple flashy plays. He's a guy who's always around the ball, for what it's worth. Uh, he's got good length that you're looking for the position, similar to Ja'Kai Polite. I would call him a ball hunter. He's always looking for the ball, and he's always looking to make a play on the ball. Um, he, he just he knows how to use his length uh, when he when he's able to land a good blow, land a good first step. He the the traits are there. He just needs to consistently put it together. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I don't have a ton on Joe Jackson. I've been when I looked at Miami, I've been watching more of Jaquan Johnson at safety because that's another obviously need for the Packers, and he was a good one there for a, for a few years for for the Hurricanes. 
Yeah, Jackson, from what I can tell, a lot of tools, like you said, but again, yeah, he needs a little bit, he needs a lot of technique work, a lot of consistent work, and uh, we'll see the new coaching staff working with him, I think, could go a long way as well. So yeah, the guy you talked about uh, as your number 11 is a guy who I've heard a lot slowly climbing into the first round, especially because he had some big time years in his four years in college. That's Jalen Ferguson of Louisiana Tech. Uh, another guy, though, he seems kind of stiff at times, and he seems at times to more uh, react than or more think about too much than just read and react and go make a play. And I think he's a guy where he's kind of that tweener, first, second round pick guy. And I think there's talent there, but I think his expectations are a little bit too high for a guy who, again, he hasn't faced really too much of uh, competition either. Yeah, <laughs> Jim Ferguson. I, he's a fifth year senior, uh, so you're, you know, you hope that he'd be a little bit more developed at this point. You mentioned his read, read and reactability, his mental processing, and his what we will call hip, hip flexibility, his stiffness. Um, there are two; those two traits specifically are what is keeping him lower in my rankings right now. I graded him rather poorly in those two areas, but in terms of physical traits that you're looking for at the position, he's got them. You know, uh, other than the other than the hip flexibility and the ankle flexibility in general. But when I wrote my eval, the way I do this is I write. I just kind of watch film and I take notes as I'm write, I'm writing. I wrote a freaking book on Jalen Ferguson because I just. There were so many things good about what he did, and there were so many things that were bad about what he did. And it's just so he, – he's a project in itself. I don't know if he has the natural ability because hip flexibility and stiffness or lack of stiffness is not something that you can really teach. But I think that he has the physical tools, and if you can develop that ability, I, I don't know how develop how, how much you can develop it then I think he has a chance to be really good. But he's, he's a strict project at the position at a Louisiana Tech. He's going to be a guy to keep your eye on at the Combine because I think he might test rather well. But he, he, he just has the – he has some of the tools, and he's going to be a guy that's talked about, so he's, he's good to be aware of. But he's just got a lot of work to be done before he's a productive NFL player. No, I agree, and that's I, I agree with your placement of him there as well. So those are our top edge prospects for the 2019 NFL Draft. Of course, stay tuned. Uh, throughout the next few months on the Pack Day podcast, we'll be covering all positions, all prospects, and so on and so forth. And stay tuned for Draft Weekend stuff. We'll be doing a lot uh, those few days for the draft itself, including recaps every day. I know uh, Tyler will be in charge of recapping day two and talking about uh, what we can look forward to for day three from Friday heading into Saturday after rounds two and three of the draft. See what the Packers do with a couple picks in, on that day scheduled right now. But on that side, uh, always follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Follow me at Mike Wetland, Tyler at, under, at Tyler underscore Grez. And Tyler, what are you, are you writing anything right now, or are you just working on the Cheesehead TV draft guide? Yeah, uh, just due to full-time job and just kind of other, uh, you know, some other things going on, I'm pretty much focusing on watching film and writing for the Cheesehead uh, TV guide right now. Cheesehead, dra- uh, Cheesehead TV draft guide, excuse me. And uh, I will be doing the defensive line for that. So I've got a plethora of notes on those guys as well. And actually, I think probably I'm a little bit higher on some one specific player than I think the rest of the draft world is. So uh, I'm going to be pretty excited to release those rankings come March. Fair enough. You can find my writing on Dairyland Express as well as my personal website, uh, Beyond the Microphone, as I take a look at bro- from a broadcaster's perspective on what's going on in the world of sports. But again, stay tuned every day for more Packaday content, including 
Zach and Jacob tomorrow as they bring you more great Packers news. So until next time, this is Mike Wendland and Tyler Grzegorek. Go Pack Go! From the 16 of New York, first down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end.